Suns fans, you know what time it is in the PHX. Empire of the Suns. Suns. Phoenix Suns. The Empire of the Suns podcast is brought to you by Sonic. Drive to your nearest Sonic location and try their new Choose Any Two for $7 deal for a limited time only. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hello, Kevin. Hi, this is the first time doing this virtually where you are not in the same room as me and I am in the studio and you are not. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy how long it's been, uh, not just since we podcasted, but when, when I got sick, you might just hear a little bit of it in my voice. I think it was after the second San Antonio game. So I was back at the start of the month. Uh, I think the world series was still going on at that point, or it just ended. Uh, and then I came down with bronchitis for two weeks. So that's why there has not been a podcast. That's why I am virtual, but we talked about it this morning, got a podcast time set in and then 30 minutes before we were going to record uh, injury news comes down about Bradley Beal that we should talk about, shouldn't we? We probably should. I, I think so. We should lead with that. Yeah. So Bradley Beal is going to be out, uh, not out, reevaluated in three weeks with what the team is now classifying as a low back strain. Uh, this went from low back tightness to a low back spasms designation. Some point in the regular season, they changed it to that. And now it is a strain. Uh, they're saying three weeks, uh, that would be 11 more games. There's nine on the schedule, and then two more are going to be added. Uh, if they make the in-season tournament all the way to the final, it would be at least uh, 12 games. Uh, but that would put him back around mid-December. The team is five and six right now. They just got Devin Booker back uh, from Minnesota. Right after that San Antonio game, the second one I referenced, when Devin Booker returned from his ankle sprain, he injured his calf and then went on to miss a few games after that in somewhere in there uh, at Chicago, uh, to put it exactly, Bradley Beal does return, comes back for three games. Doesn't look like himself. Kevin looks like the back is still bothering him at some points in the game. You can see him even like demonstrating as such. And in the Oklahoma city game tweaks it in the first half plays through it. And now he's going to miss at least three, four weeks. Uh, they looked pretty great with Kevin Booker or Kevin Booker. Here we go. <laughs> Devin Booker and Kevin Durant uh, against Minnesota in a big win at home. And I call it a big win because it felt like this t- team needed some sort of stabilization after losing five of their last seven. Uh, they did get it with that win over Minnesota, but now uh, they have a, we have a timeline in front of us, Kevin, what I've been asking for for many weeks on this uh, here podcast. We got it. Uh, what do you think? I think they should have done this a while ago when, you know, Bradley Beal was, I I mean, look, he probably didn't hurt anything long-term, all that good stuff. Anxious to meet your new teammates on the court for obvious reasons, but um, just the acknowledgement, even his first game back of like, oh yeah, it's, it's going to stiffen up. Um, And then obviously did more than stiffen up in this past um, in the Oklahoma City game, and then, you know, he's out when Book returns finally, um, even though they were trying to s- think that he could play Wednesday. So to me, it's just like, I think they should have come to that conclusion sooner. Like, obviously, it, it's a thing that's not going away, but if it's 
getting significantly worse sitting or moving or whatever happened in these games. Um, I just don't know why we didn't shut them down before. Maybe there's some tactical reasons to make, you know, Utah today um, think that maybe he'd play and that kind of stuff. But yeah, just just kind of mind boggling. I'm look. I'm personally not for the panic and it was a terrible trade and and the things that people are saying and all that kind of thing right now it's it's a long season you'd rather him be out now which is why i said you i would have shut him down earlier but i'm uh, not a doctor and i'm not a basketball player or a basketball coach yeah there's some sort of tricky stuff that has happened here right because this is the second time dating back to the preseason where something like this has occurred where it looked like he was going to play i think the part in the timeline we didn't mention is that he um, was slated to still play against Minnesota, and that was going to be the debut of the big three who still haven't played a game together yet. And then he comes down with he comes down with this new injury, whatever you want to call it, the old injury re uh, extended. I, I don't know exactly what to call it, but it's a tricky situation. And now it's just about a matter of okay, how much how how long of a stretch can you go through on the court with this guy specifically with his back before you can start to uh, trust might not be the right word but just believe that he is going to be able to stay on the floor because this has just been a a rough first impression from him to say the least and i i feel for him because he comes in here and the number one thing following him is his big salary and the number two thing following him is his injury history people calling him an injury prone overpaid player and thus far those people have proven to be correct and and that's got to be frustrating uh to him to say the least which i'm sure is why he was pushing so hard uh to get back but at the same time with books timeline we didn't really uh follow it week by week but if we would have kevin i'm sure we would have talked about how for years on this podcast we've talked about how Devin booker just gets needs to get told no sometimes and, and that would have uh, come up helpful maybe in this situation as well. Uh, are you ready to freak out? Are you looking at buyer's remorse for some reason? I think that's like, are, how big on the freak out meter are you about this? I, I'm not really, I'm not really concerned, but we're one more of these lapses away from all of a sudden being halfway through the season. Cause you need to get these three guys on the court together at some point before the halfway point or, or that's when I start getting concerned. I'm not even that freaked out in that regard. It's just more of a, if this guy's injured and you add one more, whether that's a freak accident, whether it's a minor thing that turns into another one of these, um, then suddenly your title chances are just shot, right? But that's the whole deal with having a big three and constructing your roster this way. Um, but look, if we look at the circumstance they're in with Chris Paul, like Chris Paul could play, a two regular season games for the Warriors, they make the playoffs, and then he gets hurt again. And and Bradley Beal could play. Bradley Beal could miss eighty two games with his back injury, and come back for the playoffs as you know Devin Booker and Kevin Durant find cohesion. And I would feel a lot better about this team, right? I would still feel good about this team. I would still be like, you know what? It's not ideal that Bradley Beal's meeting this team in the playoffs, but they have time if they're as good as we think they'll be even without him honestly so I, I think there's value in believing in that patience um again it if if it's one of them it's not a big deal maybe especially if it's not book because i think we'll get to in a sec of how 
big of a deal he is compared to these other pieces. Um, but yeah, I'm not close to having buyer's remorse or they shouldn't have made the trade or what else they were, were they supposed to do with Chris Paul. Like, I, I just think that you can't have that conversation until you're at the end of the year and like the end of this past year, like you couldn't say the KD pickup was a bad idea um, until they lost that final game of the season because like they were still pretty good and they lost to a team that was playing lights out everywhere and got to the championship and won the championship and all that stuff. So I just don't look at things like that, I guess, anymore. Sorry to poo-poo the the panic and all that stuff and the worries, but I'm still believing in this team as long as Devin Booker's relatively healthy and able to help this team get a top, you know, eight seed, whatever. I think they still need to avoid the play-in. And I think they're fully capable of that, even if if you want to go with your worst-case situation, which appears to be that he's missing the whole season. Uh, I'm not going to go that far, but I am still team like I was last year when Durant uh, twisted his ankle in pregame warmups. Like those games were incredibly valuable to them getting assimilated. And he is not nearly the type of piece to incorporate that Durant was. Beal isn't. But at the same time, I think they're going to need some time with him. I think they're going to need 25 30 regular season games to get to the level they need to get to because yes the west is kind of a mess right now but denver still looks like every bit of what they are and maybe even better depending on how you feel about their younger guys and just how the other guys seem to be improving and how mpj seems to be not um the worries that we had we talked about them preseason like he looks like he's fully into his role still and doing everything they need him and aaron gordon to do in in those complementary roles so I think that they need some bit of the regular season. Speaking of that regular season, um, I think we can move past Beal, right, Kevin? I mean, it, we can't even say like evaluate him on those three games because he just wasn't himself. Like he was, he was playing through a back injury. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's look. You just got to get him healthy. And again, like I think Richard Jefferson did a thing at the start of this season about like super teams being put together. Like they always hit on the second year. And his point was continuity, right? Even a full first year together, like there's value in that. Absolutely, I'd rather have Bradley Beal healthy, getting in the mix with those two guys, other guys. But yeah, I mean, you can't you can't say you can't just pretend his back injury isn't a problem, and you also can't pretend that um, another situation would be magically better than this one. Um, I, I think it's just fun to look at it, what it is in reality. <laughs> Yeah, so so instead of going through the games like we normally do since we missed a chunk and we've really got a a legitimate sample size to go off of here and evaluate the team off of with 11 games and, and seven happening since we last podcasted another one coming tonight on Friday night, um, I, I think we're just going to roll through some categories instead or just um, certain sections of the team, if you will, and I think there's been a lot of concern overall from the fan base because of the five and six starts. So we're going to characterize it as that, like how worried are you about these certain parts of the team? What you're going to hear from Kevin and I is not really a lot of worry. I think, I think we're going to agree for the most part that we're not close to concern or worry about whatever is happening and and going on 
with this team, but we're going to use that as a way to kind of roll through and assess where the team is at right now. So let's start with the five and six start. Kevin, have they lost too many games yet? Is it over? Can they even get the number one seed? Do you care about the number one seed? Can they get top six still? Like how, how bad is it that they've lost six of their first 11? Not that bad. Uh, it was, I believe, the first Chris Paul year where they were like 500 through 20 games, if I'm not. Eight and eight. Eight and okay. eight. Monty freaked out, uh, had his, had his uh, whatever you want to call it, rant uh, at the post-game availability, and then they became the best team in the world. Yeah, so I think I think when you hit around, you know, even 20 games, that's when you got to say, okay, we need to start having urgency. Like, the Warriors are freaking out now, and I, I covered two games at home um with you being out and like it does it is shocking to hear frank vogel be like we're fine you know um we just scored two field goals in the fourth quarter and we we executed better than the last game (laughs) like that's that's i don't know maybe he's just super positive and some coaches are like that and they're successful doing that is that true i don't think so i think there are a lot of bad things i saw from the offense especially um there were a lot of bad things in the defense because in that that thunder game like they let the team shoot 60 percent in the fourth quarter as well and then like 14 free throws that were taken in that fourth quarter or something like that so to me um there's a lack of urgency in post game but i would like to believe that there's a little more urgency in the film room behind closed doors in practices um getting these things right and i think there is a lot of time to do that so i i I totally get why they're not panicking and they're trusting the process because look that's that's their jobs that's their kind of how this team is built right it's like just the day-to-day is fun to them to kevin duran and devin booker as far as just going through the process of learning and not panicking and they've been in good and bad situations before to me that that's kind of fair um but at some point yeah 20 games in i would say is kind of the point where it's like all right guys you really gotta go and that's where i'd say i'm at right now is just we need a little more health but also they have legit excuses about not knowing each other personnel habit um favorite things to do work off little actions and that kind of thing where they're just there's so much of a learning curve um, going to the coaching staff through the players and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, short sample size theater. We're still kind of in it right now because of how crazy shooting splits are. Like for example, if you just look at teams that are doing extremely well right now and off to really hot starts, not to say it's all three point shooting, but go look at, I'm guessing they're shooting pretty well from three that's not to say that Dallas isn't legit or Houston isn't legit or Minnesota isn't legit Indiana isn't legit out of these teams but it's just kind of the state of where we're at right now so with that being said just looking at the rankings across the league they're 10th in offense and tied for 15th in defense like right now and that's with three games of Devin Booker three games of Bradley Beal if you want to call it that uh and and it's looked it's looked better than I thought it would on the court to be honest with how much has changed and how much of a full training camp that they got with these big three for the most part. Um, KD has been incredible. Booker has been amazing when he's been out there. The offense has basically been, can KD get um, enough help on any given night when Booker isn't out there. And when Booker has been out there, he just solves everything. He looks like every bit of the player that you and I kind of expected him to be in the preseason. I, I picked him to win MVP before the year started and he looks like that guy right now, the guy that I sort of expected him to be, who's just in complete control of everything right now and is able to fully 
showcase what he's developed in his game over the last eight years at that point guard position. Um, that's offensively, and I think defensively they've been better than expected. The Nurkic thing gets highlighted a lot, rightfully so. There's just shortcomings that are going to be there no matter what, but they're doing some inventive stuff. They're doing a lot of different stuff, and I think that a lot of guys have looked really good defensively. I think KD's been pretty great there. We haven't seen Book there yet enough to really get an uh, evaluation of how he's been, but I think that if you go across the board like through the majority of the rotation, if not the full rotation, I think that you've been getting at least what you want out of everyone defensively uh, from an individual basis, if not more. And I think that with time and with learning the system and with being able to uh, get in more wrinkles, I think it was Brendan clean who put together some videos from the Minnesota game where it's like, yeah, they're running like what looks like a box and one here. There's like some weird zone. That's like a one, one, three or some something. Um, they're, they're doing some weird stuff already, which is a really good sign that they're able to do so. And, that not that they wouldn't do so, more so that they trust that it's going to work, and it did work. It, they did a terrific job on Anthony Edwards uh, the other night, and I think that there have just been a lot of indications to me, Kevin, that this team is going to be below average at worst defensively, and they're not going to be bad. They're not going to be bad, and they're not going to be terrible, and that's all that you and I were looking for in the preseason, right? Yeah, I mean – Speaking of small sample sizes, I think the offense was like 17th or even in the 20s, maybe a game or two ago. And then just the whenever, I don't know what their rating was for just the Minnesota game, but if you put the Minnesota game in there, that just changes it and jumps you into the top 10. Like if you said, you said they were 10th, I believe just a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um. So like that, that's what that means. And if you take out the bad fourth quarter and the bad, four or five minute stretches that we've seen like what four or five times then suddenly like the offense is fine even when it's only kd um and so yeah they're already there and defense honestly has been floating around just the last week where i've been really paying attention they've been floating around middle of the league which that's good enough if the offense again gets there and then if you talk about when you hit the playoffs with frank vogel and being able to change and adjust as you go, you hope that you just improve into being kind of a top 10 type of defensive team that can scheme um, and, and find what's successful over a, a longer series. So that's all to say I think they're on track. Like, I, It's kind of like the Cardinals. Like If you've paid attention to them this season, like they were one and whatever. They've won two games now out of 10, and it's like, all the analytics kind of indicate they're a little better than you think they are and their record indicates. And I think that's the same thing here where that's where I like analytics and it's like, okay, like you put your good players actually on the court and your analytics are already like middle of the road. What do you think is going to happen? So I'm not surprised by any of that. I'm not surprised by the numbers. Uh, I'm not surprised by the losses because they've hit, some teams that are have a lot of continuity who are right in that contending group. And yeah, it's just a, it is a learning process and you see the things that are happening with golden state and the Lakers and um, how this league is built up. And I think maybe there are four or five teams out West that you could say are in a really good spot, but a couple of those might fall off just because they're not as talented like Houston, like good job on them. But I think the Suns are in fine space right now as far as standings and where they are at this point. 
Yeah, I was looking at the standings last night, and it's really interesting how they're basically broken up quite nicely on their own into four sections, which is the Mavs, or I'm sorry, excuse me, the Nuggets are 9-2, and and they're clearly the class of the league right now still. And then there's the how real is this grouping, which is the Mavs 9-3, and Wolves 8-3, and Thunder 8-4, and and then the Rockets are 6-3, and three. and then there's the we're figuring this out grouping, which is the Kings 6-4, and four, Lakers 6-6, six and six, Warriors 6-7, six and seven, the Suns 5-6, and six, the Pelicans 5-6, and six, and then the Clippers uh, at 3-7, and seven, losers of six straight. The Jazz are in there at 4-7, and seven, and we expect them to be down there with San Antonio 3-8, and eight, Portland 3-8, and, and then Memphis 2-9. and nine. They lost Stephen Adams for the year. I don't think that was something that we talked about at the time when it happened. That was a huge loss for them, and without Jaw, uh, they're really submarining quite quickly over there, but you don't really have to worry about ground being made up. I agree. If we were looking at the Warriors and the Lakers and the Kings, or two of those teams being at the level of where those other teams are, I think that's when you can start to be more concerned. And I have always believed in at least like 25, 30 games in waiting before claiming how real or legitimate, like could the Rockets finish 500? Now you feel a lot more optimistic about that, but could they? They're going to need to finish above 500 to make a top six spot still, and that's what the Suns should be more concerned about more than anything. Uh, the, the whole thing that we missed, uh, Kevin, over the stretch of games was the fourth quarter uh, meltdowns. There was one against the Lakers. I, I guess there was one in that San Antonio game. I, I still count it just because they're a really young team. You're at home and they're having to like hold you off. And they did it uh, miraculously uh, to their credit. Uh, but then there was, I believe, the second Lakers game and then the Thunder game as well, if I'm remembering these correctly, is the four fourth-quarter meltdowns in 10 games. Three of those occurred without, or I'm, I believe all four happened without Devin Booker, if not at least three of them. So that should solve a lot of it. But the stale offense that we saw over those um, stretches, particularly, Kevin, was, I think, concerning, and to your point of how um, I think after that Thunder loss, especially, that's where you were kind of expecting a lot more of, yeah, this is a problem, and yeah, we need to address it. Whereas the Suns liked some of what they saw in Vogel, especially after the Thunder loss, was very emphatic about, like, we missed some shots, these things happen, the Spurs hit this many threes in that section, and, and so on. But if there's anything to be concerned about over these 11 games, Kevin, until we see them in a couple close games in crunch time, I'm going to put that down. Yeah. I mean, I've been tracking the turnover issue. They were top three just this week. I'm sure the T-Wolves game, again, small sample size, might help move out of the top three in those standings. But they are, like, they're terrible turnovers when it's, like, the Nurk and Katie has messed up the back cutting. Um, I haven't seen that in a little bit, I think. But there is at least, like, what, six, seven turnovers just on back cut plays between those two. Um, and they've started to hit just little stuff like that. And and it's partially, again, just not having Booker and the point guard um, to set up plays. Like, people can pressure Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon bringing the ball up and just get you into a junky offensive possession just by doing that. Um, that throws timing off. Timing and not having time together on the court is going to lead to those turnovers so I just think like you saw the Minnesota game as okay when you just eliminate the turnovers that just makes the offense go so much better um when the offense is going so much better you can set your defense yada yada 
So to me, that one was the biggest, okay, we need to eliminate this because this is why we've had these um, dry spells. And obviously it's it's about movement. It's about spacing and that kind of thing. Like I think it was the Thunder game where Jordan Goodwin hit a corner right three, and there were literally, if I drew a line down the center of the court, there were literally five Suns players and probably all five of their defenders on that side of the court, and he just got, you know, a little window to shoot it but it was like that wasn't a good possession and that was one of your few makes in that game and I think that was in the third quarter but point being like there's just a lot to work out right now and it's just you can tell pointing where you should be that kind of thing they're still working through all that the more concerning bit of it for me isn't that the turnovers are happening it's that it's it's a lot of the freebies that you're talking about which result in points off turnovers and they're tied for 26th right now in the league in terms of points off turnovers. Uh, the teams grouped up with them are the Pistons, who are terrible, the Jazz, who are going to be pretty bad, the Hornets are terrible, the Spurs are terrible, the Hawks might be decent, uh, and then it's the them, the Pelicans, Raptors, and the Thunder are the first good team that we got to outside of Phoenix. So I, I think that points off turnovers are something where the Warriors, the elite Warriors teams, turned the ball over a lot. They gave up a lot of points in that kind of way, but they were also one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen. And, and that's the kind of level you're going to need to be at in order for those turnovers to be warranted. And they're just not there yet, so they're going to lose quite a bit of games if they just continue to turn it over at that rate. It's been cleaned up a bit more recently, specifically the freebies and, and, and those rough ones. I think in the Minnesota game, they did really well, but... It's a two-game road trip in Utah. I think it's going to be a really good test for them against both the both those games and then against Portland, where you're looking at two bad teams, three games, and can you just take care of the ball against them? I think is is a big one. But where do you want to start with the rest of the roster? Because we've gotten more of an impression of Grayson Allen, we've gotten more of an impression of Eric Gordon because of these injuries. Uh, who do you want to start with? Can we talk about how uh, the the waving the white, well, not the white flag. They had won. They had blown out the Timberwolves. Their final lineup, I believe, the other night was all of the wings. And I guess not Josh Kogi, but it was Jordan Goodwin at point. But then it was just all the wing players, which is not the best sign because you need wings to win in this league. But just I guess I'll start there because that kind of shocked me. Like, oh, we thought some of these guys would be fighting for rotation spots, but they're all in and garbage time um what do you think about who are you talking about who are you talking about to be clear it was which guys kbd uh little uh yuda shemezi goodwin and shemezi okay yeah uh that area hasn't been a strength for the team for sure without a doubt to say the least but kbd did put together a solid stretch of games where he was starting and I think the biggest challenge for guys like him and guys in that role, especially is going to be maintaining the rhythm when they don't necessarily play. Yeah. And I think that he was pretty darn good in the Chicago game. I want to say off the top of my head. Yeah. The Chicago game is where he was really good. He was decent in the Lakers game as well. He only played 13 minutes in that Minnesota game. Like wasn't really in a rotation as much after playing 31, 30 and 27 in the last three games. So like minutes are going to fluctuate for someone like him specifically. I think Yuta's been fine. Yeah. Um, he seems to be 
the guy that everyone thinks sucks right now, which is, I don't know why that's happening. He's shooting now. His numbers have gone down since the last time I looked at them, like two games in, but he's still shooting 37% from three. I think what doesn't help is that every time he takes a corner three, everyone you, you expect it to go in, which of course it should, because that's where he was so amazing last year. But even if he shoots like between 45 to 50% from the corners, that's still a, a remarkably fantastic number. And if he's shooting sub third, like if he's shooting sub 40, but it's at 36 right now, and that's a rough stretch for him, then you can think about what it's going to be like when the ball starts to go in the net for him a lot more. And defensively, he's been good. Like he's been good. And this isn't like a Landry Shamit situation where offensively he's allowing things to slow down too much. I think that the only thing holding him back right now has been the brain farts. There's just a turnover or two where he's making the wrong pass at the wrong time, or he's just letting a defender get away with a gamble for no reason. Like he's just not taking his time and just reading things in there. But I understand why Vogel is playing him. And it's kind of what we went with when we were talking about the first couple of games of the season, which were how they're clearly prioritizing shooting and Yuta just probably needs to continue to play. Even if he was playing worse than he was right now, I think he needs to continue to play. It's been to the point where people have asked to see Metu on the wing, which I, I don't, I don't think he can defend wings. I, I think he's big. I, I don't know where, he, because of his size, because he shot well in the preseason. But again, I think this, this is just the expectations game, catching up to people. If I can overanalyze the reactions of others for a second, Kevin, which is that we expect you to make everything and we didn't know Chemezi could shoot coming in. Like, I, I guess yeah. that was the thing. So now all of a sudden people want to see Metu play over Yuta more, where as Yuta, I'm confident in saying is, is the better defender at that specific position. And at that point now, like if we see Metu at the four and he's like doing some more weak side stuff, maybe that's where it gets more interesting and, and you can talk about it more. I do believe that he is someone like Nasir Little who should start to get more looks here over these next 10 games. Um, but that's just not where they've needed the minutes. Guys like Jordan Goodwin have gotten more opportunities. Someone like Grayson Allen is now just playing a lot more minutes. Eric Gordon, same kind of thing. Uh, and, and I think it's really been uh, necessary. I think that I'm with you on it being a worry and just more so that you're not necessarily getting the same Josh Akogi of old, Kevin, but you are still going to get that guy where I think teams are just going to leave him in the playoffs. Like, I think they're just going to leave him make him make threes. And if he's not making threes early in the series, you might have to uh, make a change pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, What about Jordan Goodwin? I mean, I think for me, he's had some good stretches where it's honestly, you are seeing kind of point guard stuff and, and that's where he really needs to be doing well. And you could look up his shooting percentages. I think he's shooting pretty well from three, so if we talk about expectations coming in, like we knew about the defense, we knew about just how he creates chaos because he's so physical on defense. But for me with him, like that stuff's really good. Like just little pocket passes or just easy swings, nothing complicated. And then again, the shooting. Yeah. Uh, I think that he's been okay. I think that it really put him in a tough spot to ask him to do point guard stuff right away. We talked about him closing that Lakers game and kind of having to run the offense. I think with book back, he might be the guy who starts to look 
the best. I want to say his shooting numbers uh, as of recently have started to get better. He's shooting 36% from three, Kevin, which yeah. I would have taken that in the preseason to, to say the least. Like it, you're just looking for somewhere around league average, if not slightly below. Yeah, he was, he took seven uh, in the Oklahoma city game. And that's, that's to the point where I, the one thing that could hold him back is just to how much he's willing to shoot. And you want guys to always take those shots. And I always believe that they should, but having these games where he's taking that many shots um, won't, won't fly once the real guys are back. But then again, once they're back, I don't imagine him being in a situation where he will take 15 shots like he did um, against the Lakers. Yeah. He's hit a three now in I believe seven straight games now, eight straight games. So he's been consistent with his, with that. And then his defense has been as advertised, if not better. I think that he's been really impressive on that end and the minutes with him and Akogi together. I don't know how much longer you can get away with those, but it's working out enough right now to, for it not to be such an issue. Um, we, we hovered by it quickly, but uh, Hey, Hey, uh, that, that Kevin Durant guy, like more of what we expected uh, before, huh? Yeah. The uh, man, they've been throwing some junk defenses at him when book was out um, there's, I, th- I think it might've been the Lakers game. He was even like, yeah, they're like playing a zone behind me and just every ISO high ISO post touch on the wing, like he would look over and they would send stuff at him and like, they just zone up behind it and, and just are trying to create. And that's where some of the turnovers have come from where you're trying to skip it across and beat that. And it's just not lining up exactly. But I, I think that stuff's good to see because, you know, you, you kind of learn, you have the role guys learning how to play off even just him specifically. And I think he's a lot harder to learn to play off than book. I think that's why it's been clunky. Um, cause books dictating stuff, right? He's making it easier where KD is creating this stuff that you don't see against anyone else. Like those doubles that you see where they're just flat coming at him. I don't think Grayson Allen has seen that. I don't think Jordan Goodwin has seen that. Like like these guys are learning how to play off of that. And that's super important. So if we're going to take positives and things that they're going to learn and see later, maybe in the playoffs, that stuff's great. Um, but they're doing that because he's Kevin Durant. Um, I don't know how much or what I need to say about it, but I just, I guess watching it, it's just very different. Like we've talked about however old this podcast is book, seeing that kind of stuff when he's especially been carrying stuff and been on teams that are bad but it's just very different to see how people attack kevin durant because he's a different player and he has different strengths by the way that a kogi goodwin duo i looked it up uh 63 minutes 83.2 defensive rating not bad (laughs) decent yeah pretty good yeah the those minutes have been inflated a lot I'm, i'm curious to see like i'm looking at this right now like their top duos and minutes played it's Kevin Durant, Grayson Allen, 117.5 offensive rating, really good. 114.7 defensive rating, not so great, somewhere around below average, if not bad. Um, those numbers will start to get better, I, I think, with Booker back uh, for sure. But I just wanted to say that because he's 11 games in. He's averaging 30 points, seven rebounds, five assists, a block, a steal, shooting 51% from the field, 45 from three, and then the abnormal thing for him has been 86% from the line, but he's taking nine free throws a game, which is maybe gone under the radar a bit. We talked about rim pressure. Um, I wrote, or we didn't talk about it, but I wrote about it. Um, 
while I was sick with Gordon, with Allen helping there. I think that kind of covers itself. I think those two in and of itself have been really solid, if not pretty darn good. They're both shooting around 47% from the field. Allen is at 49% from three right now. Uh, Gordon is at 36. I think turnover wise, those two have been manageable playmaking wise. They've been about what you've expected defensively. They've both been maybe even better than you've expected. Um, Nurkic has been the guy that's really been going through the struggles more so and, and going through highs and lows, but in terms of concern meter, I, I don't know, again, expectations and such. Like I just expected him to be a guy who would miss a lot around the rim and struggle finishing. So that was an expectation coming in. And I think that the benefits from his screening and his passing have been enormous on the offense so far. And we've barely seen it with book. Has there been a, there, there probably are, is a game, but I'm trying to think of games where it's just been like Nurk and Eubanks have been rough. Um, they've done, and that's kind of what that trade was, right? Um, obviously Eubanks wasn't in that trade, but like you, you, they're set up to have matchups at the center position be different, right? Like Eubanks has come on strong the last few games. Nurk has had some big ones like the Chicago game where the offense really is running through him, uh, quite a bit. So yeah, I, I think again, it, it's kind of like the wing group where it's like, there's good and there's bad, but you look at it as the collective and you don't, you see they planned for it, right? It's not like, oh, the player that we were relying on to be good and give us 35 minutes a game is not as good. It's not that. So to me, nothing big on there, either of those two guys, but doing what they're asked, giving you a dynamic group of bench players and or role players, I guess. And, and that's the biggest thing is, yeah, nothing's really super surprised me this far. And again, if, if we're talking about panic meter and all that stuff, it's fairly going to start with the health and, and just being able to see this through and see this come together throughout the whole season. How about that win over Duke, pal? Oh, yeah. Um, the Lithuanians, Tommy Lloyd and Lithuanians know what to do. Um, we'll say that much. Colin Boswell is the best point guard U of A's has since Jason Gardner. I said it out loud. Can't take it back. Yeah. I looked it up. TJ and Shakur are like the other two that would come up. Shakur was a that. frustrating person because he was supposed to be better than Chris Paul. TJ McConnell yeah. was pretty good, but his roster had other issues, so it wasn't really about him, and we also didn't expect him to become an NBA player at all. Nick Wise, Momo, Mark Lyons. Nick Wise is no, pretty good. I, I but, think yeah. Nick Wise was pretty good. Mark Lyons is pretty good. Momo was pretty good, but uh, I think he's special. I love KJ Lewis. Um, Big I think surprise. that Krivos is Krivos having like in case Ball gets in foul trouble, having another seven-two guy to throw in there, and having someone who's functional like he is um, has been a huge help. And I think that the other guys, Kashad Johnson, is unreal. I think that he, I thought about tweeting during the Duke game. I'm like, is he better for this team than Tubelis? Like, is this is this an upgrade? Did they upgrade a power forward somehow when Tubelis looked like one of the best players and? Regular season two, Ellis looked like one of the best He's modern, players in the history of the program. More modern power forward. So in that regard, also, but yes, the KJ Lewis suddenly being like a super important player. I did not have on my bingo card. I was like, I don't know if he's in the rotation, but he does like every little thing. And by the way, disclaimer for any new podcast listeners, this is called Cats Talk. This segment, 
where we occasionally will dip in and talk Arizona basketball. So that's why the Suns talk just died suddenly, and Kellen brought this up. It, it also means the the end of the podcast is coming, and if you don't want to hear about the Cats for like 90 more seconds, you can just shut it off, and we'll see you next week. Like I'm sure there are people who hear like are zoning out, and then they hear Jaden Bradley out loud, and they're like, what? <laughs> who, by the way, <laughs> I still really sp- like as the backup to Guylen Boswell, like... Holy cow! I, I'm not th- I'm not there yet. I think he's going to be the he's going to be my um, my Caleb Tarzuski award winner who, for who pisses me off the most this year. Um, but I think that he's solid. I think that he's just got to take care of the ball. Watch how often he pushes it, um, and he'll be okay. I want to see more of the second Lithuanian tonight against Belmont um, Rauskas. I want to see more of him because I think that he could be really important. I think they need to find one more shooter, and I think he's it. Uh, but I think it looks like another Final Four team to me on paper. They're deep. Uh, Moraskis, if I'm saying that correctly, and Philip, who's in the last name I'm not even going to try to say, they're going to Borovichinen? Yeah. Borovichinen? They can Yeah. I tried. They can shoot the crap out of it. Anyway, is that it? We good? Yeah, I think that's it. We'll have a pre-Thanksgiving pod, I think, and then we'll be back in the swing of things after that. We've got basketball through it all. The end-season tournament, how was the Purple Court, Bob? I had complaints of people not in person. I personally like it. I personally think the game day atmosphere does have a very different feel. It's like more casual. The music situation actually might be better. Um. Like you could, it had a different feel. I'll say that, and that was cool. So if you have, if you're a Suns fan, and you have options to get out to a game, I would say try to aim for an in-season tournament game just to see it because it it is different. I liked it. If I'm going off of the Sunday Tuesday schedule, I believe they've got one or two more. That would be, I believe, Portland on Tuesday. Uh, see DeAndre's first regular season game back. Um, that's on Tuesday. Expecting him to get a video tribute and a nice little ovation. And then uh, Friday, December 1st. Now that is he in season tournament? So Denver's not in their group. Portland is in their group. Second, the second. Oh, I guess I don't know if that's. Zach Lowe said this the other day. Like, I, I'm picking up on the in season tournament, but I still don't know the groups. Like, I, I think the Suns group is the Lakers, the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Grizzlies, which all of a sudden turned into a horrible group like three really bad teams and then two pretty good teams. We think, I don't know, man. They have an in, in game, like explainer, which I apparently didn't consume very well. Richard Jefferson tells you how it works. So look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. They need to, they need to win these two games coming up to have a shot. Really. It's, it's, it's really quick. If you lose two games, you're in trouble. You're in huge trouble. So, We'll see. We'll get. We'll talk next week. More in season tournament. More uh, Booker's back. More uh, Kellen looking prophetic with his MVP pick. And uh, we'll be back then. So yeah.